Shut up and sit down. I am a, a radical libertarian. And we don't want the government to do a damn thing. The current state of politics is unsustainable politically, economically. You deserve better. It is about supporting, platforming, and, and assisting the people who are out here actually doing the fight. You just take an issue that's important to you and do something. There you go. You are part of that declaration against tyranny. Because no one brings tear gas to a gunfight. This conversation gives me a little more hope for the future. The one, the only. Fight for liberty. This is the cherry on top. This is FSM. Hello, fighters. Welcome back to Fight for Liberty Live. I'm your host, David Fight, here to get you fired up about the men and women out there making the world a freer place through politics, activism, business, and more. We are here live on the Free Speech Media Network. So go on and click all those links in the description. Follow the network on all the different social media platforms so that you can see all the good content, not just mine. I've also got two shows a week from Ben Weir, who's doing great, uh, and and bunch of great new content coming up so go follow the network tonight i am joined by a great man who i love dearly and a good friend of the show but first we got to give a quick word from our sponsors first up we have blood of tyrants uh which just has a brand new energy tea out if i can get this thing to switch over correctly there we go energy tea liquid freedom will have you refreshed and energized to go out and fight for liberty all day long or if you're looking for a nice night in while sipping on the blood and tears of your enemies while supporting the destruction of the tyrannical state, look no further than Blood of Tyrants Wine. Choose between a Merlot and a Pinot Grigio or both distributed by activists you know and love. Blood of Tyrants.wine is the place to go. Use promo code FSM to get 10% off your first order over there uh, and help support the channel, the network, and again, cool people like Dan Berman that you love. Uh, so go check that out. Next up, we've got My Arcit. Save your digital legacy for generations. Don't just save your pictures where they are at risk of being censored, deleted, or lost. My Arcit gives you security and privacy at a great price while telling the whole story in your own voice and writing. Unlike a cloud backup to just dump all your random pictures, MyArkit has you upload one full memory at a time. A picture or short video post with text and or audio captions create a timeline that makes going back through your memories an easy and pleasant experience for you and your loved ones. Sign up for a 30-day trial today and see what the craze is all about. No payment info necessary. This is actually a real free trial. So go to MyArkit.com, use promo code FSM, again, to get 10% off your first purchase. That's M-Y-A-R-K-I-T.com, promo code FSM. You can sign up for a personal account to save your life forever, or if you have an important event coming up, you can create an event account. This will let attendees add photos and videos for you, for you, and you and other admins can go back through later and curate a beautiful digital album for your upcoming wedding, convention, graduation, or shower. So go on over to myarket.com to learn more, promo code FSM. And finally, our newest sponsor, that's not true, Actually, my arc, it's the newest one. Uh, Craft and Business Services, they are dedicated to helping you start, grow, and maintain your business to make it more profitable, scalable, and less stressful. Uh, they have a business in a box solution that helps you get 
go from an idea to a fully functioning company in one place at one transparent cost, as well as a bunch of a la carte services that you can get to help make your business more successful. So go on over to craftin.us, same promo code FSM. If you buy anything online, just put in FSM just in case, you know, you, there's, there's a chance, you know, you might be able to get us a couple of bucks. Uh, and if not, you, you don't lose anything, right? Uh, but without further ado, joining the fight tonight, third place vice presidential candidate in 2020, founder and chairman of You Are the Power, former shift manager at Mahalanamana Village Hatchery, my estranged father, just back from Barbados where he's planning to start a fresh, brand new hatchery, Mr. Spike Cohen. Welcome back to the show. That would be a great place for a hatchery. I am red, and I'm not actually red. I don't know how this has happened. Like, I'm looking at me on my own UBS and in the mirror here, and I look like a normal person. But here I'm red. And how great it is that I'm red on this Fight for Liberty on my very first podcast appearance of 2024. And how fitting, David, and audience, and me, and everyone else, that it would be Fight for Liberty. Which I don't know if everyone knows this, but that's that's a bit of a play on words. David's name, his last name, is Fight, which is F-I-T-E. But Fight for Liberty, it's that he's also David Fight, who is for Liberty, F-I-T-E. But it also implies, if you will, that we're fighting for Liberty, F-I-G-H-T. Huh? So you're fighting. And now what's great about that is many people, it could go either way. Most people get it. They go, yeah, his name's David Fight. And we're fighting for liberty. That's fantastic. But it could go two different ways, too. You could have maybe some of David's friends that have never heard of the word fight, F-I-G-H-T. And they would go, not that his friends wouldn't know that, but they do know him. And so they watch the show and they go, yes, that makes sense. David fight for liberty. He's about liberty. And his last name is fight, F-I-T-E. And we would say, yes, that's correct. But also, that also means that he would, and we as well, would fight for liberty. F-I-G-H-T. And they'd go, oh, what a wonderful thing. But it could go another way, too. A much darker way. People could watch the show and go, oh, this is great. He's fighting for liberty. F-I-G-H-T. His last name must be David Fight. F-I-G-H-T. And we would say, no, you stupid bastard. His last name is F-I-T-E. And it just sounds like fight, F-I-G-H-T. And you don't even know how that could go. They could take offense at being called a stupid bastard, which probably happens all the time for them. Mm. Or it could just be that, you know, that he, that they say, oh, well then good for that. That's good. But either way that it goes, this is still a fantastic show. I'm happy to be on it. And thank you for having me, David. Well, thanks for being on it. Uh, so as you know, we like to <laughs> we like to start off the show with a little bit of a testimonial question. So I'm curious, yes. when did you know that it was your true calling to get into the hatchery business? Uh, I, so as soon the first time, they see there were a couple of things that happened. I remember being in school and I was with the other students. And we had a teacher. It was her last year. She was a good teacher. And she loved the kids. She was she was there for the kids. But damn it, David, she was just worn. 19 of the 20 years she had to do in order to get her pension. 
and the years had worn her down. She had seen mm-hmm. kids. This is a small, a small school system. So she was K through 12. She had, she had dealt with kids who were, you know, bright young children with all the, all the joy and the life in the world. And then, you know, by the time they're ready to graduate, they're just so jaded by life. The, the father left the home. They, they had to witness death and, and, and misery and poverty and all sorts of other terrible things. And they themselves would often fall into a life of crime. And so it just, it just, she wasn't broken, but she was almost there. She was just holding it together so she could provide for herself. And just those final, final years of her, the twilight of her life. And so she, she, you know, she was talking with us and she said, oh, kids, uh, you all have jobs at the hatchery or your, your families do, you know, what, what are some, what are some things that, that you've learned, you know, try to take a story uh, and maybe that you, that you've, that you've learned or that your family has learned and that you can infer some kind of lesson from it. And, uh, and, and, and there was a kid in the back and his name was, was, was dirty Johnny. And he held up his hand and she went, Oh no, not you, not you, dirty Johnny, Susie, Susie, you look like you have, have your hand up. And she said, well, sure. Um, yes. Uh, so uh, my father, as you know, uh, uh, works at the at the hatchery and uh, he was taking his uh, uh, he was uh, uh, putting eggs. They had told him that it was his job to, to put the eggs uh, in the baskets to deliver them over uh, to be distributed. And uh, and so he 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 put the eggs and he he didn't feel like having to carry multiple baskets or, or go on multiple trips. So he just, he, he put them all just in the one basket and he's walking, he's going to the, uh, he's going to the, the truck and what didn't you know it? He falls over and trips, breaks almost every bat, egg in the damn thing. And it's a very sad situation. And the teacher says, Oh, Susie, I'm so sorry. I'm that's terrible. But did you learn what was the lesson that was learned there? And she went, well, you know, I learned that you don't put all your eggs in one basket. And she said, well, that's a perfect example of the, the allegory that I'm, I'm talking about here. Surely someone else here has another one like that. And, and, and Johnny puts up his hand and he should go, oh, God, no, 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 Johnny. I can't. Not today. I can't do it. Uh, Billy, you you had a you had a, a story. You, you, I'm sure you've seen something. He went, I, I got a story or two, he says. He's a, he's a bit of a tough guy, Billy. He says, uh, you know, my dad, he also, he also works at the hatchery. Thank God we would be in ruin. This whole town would be nothing. <laughs> without and, the hatchery. And so he, without the hatchery. And, and so my dad, they tell him, hey, we need an updated count on the, on the, on the chickens. And he goes, well... Well, I can certainly do that. I've certainly worked in the hatchery. I know what counting and is and what a chicken is. And so he goes out and he he goes and he starts he starts starts counting all the chickens, and he sees there's a couple eggs there, and he goes, "Hey, you know what? I uh, I I think I, I mean they're gonna be chickens," and so he counts those as well, and so he's got his his count of all the chickens, and then Susie's idiot father comes in and puts them in a basket and breaks all of them it's a terrible it was a sad thing and it wrote their entire end of year was based on my dad's numbers of chickens and it completely ruined everything it went through the entire 
vertical chain. HR had to hear about it. Accounting had to hear about it. It was a nightmare. I don't even want to talk about it. And she, the teacher says, oh, Billy, I'm so sorry. I, it's an absolute miracle that they let your father keep working. I mean, frankly, it's Susie's father's fault, but, but it seems like he holds some culpability. Was there, a, was there a lesson that you, that you learned there? And Billy says, well, yes, I, we learned not to count your chickens before they hatch. And he, she said, my God, what a, what a, I mean, talk about making lemons out of lemonade. <laughs> what a great lesson that, that you've learned there, Billy. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I'm sitting here dumbfounded. I thought if there's anywhere, if there's anywhere in this godforsaken little village that we have here that we can learn from all of this, it's that there's some incredible things to happen at the hatchery. And then Johnny raises his hand again. He says, I have, I have a story. I have a story that I've, I've learned. And she says, oh, oh well, you know, I'm, I'm here for the kids. I, I don't. He just wants attention, and he's not a good kid. But how much of that is my fault? Okay, Johnny, go ahead. Go ahead, right? Go go ahead and and uh, and and tell your story. And he says, "Well, well, I'll, I'll tell you. My uh, it's not about the hatchery. It's about my uncle Freddie. Oh God, my uncle Freddie. He wasn't much for hatching." No, he, uh, <laughs> he's not much for hatching. He, uh, oh my God. I, he, he had, uh, he was, he was more of a, of a soldier. He had served in Nam and, you know, he was in Da Nang, Vietnam. And he had a, a long night of, of drinking with the boys and, and, uh, you know, they never really liked him. They always didn't know what to do with him. They didn't know whether to whether to 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 to, to fight him or leave him there because he he was a dangerous man and and a, a persnickety person. He, he would fight you tooth and nail. He would, and so they they got him nice and good and liquored up, and then they left him there. And he woke up the next morning, covered in his own vomit and a bunch of half-empty bottles of Hennessy and various other liquor all around him mostly hennessy mostly. and he and he mostly and he and he he woke up and he didn't know what had happened he just knew he had a thirst for blood not a not a thirst like how you and i would would want to have water mm -hmm. or a nice beverage like blood of tyrants right that one of your sponsors that you can go to blood of, of tyrants dot wine and, and gets it. No, not like that. No, he wanted, he wanted the actual blood of, uh, there we go. Is that a spot? There we go. Yep. Yeah. That's not that. No, no, there was no promo code for what he wanted. He wanted death and he was going to get it. So he wandered on, he, he drank every last bit of the, the liquor that was there. And he wondered why he wandered through Da Nang until he happened upon a village and he uh he saw nothing but but young children and, and women the men had gone off to fight somewhere who knows where but but there weren't any there 
but blood is blood all the same. And so my uncle, what I call him, Freddie? My uncle Freddie, he picked up a Kalashnikov that he found on the ground and in almost a, a, a work of art, he just started spraying as, as almost like the, the reaper reaping the chief chaff from the weed or however reaping works <laughs> kind of an arc to the, to the spray of bullets. And as it and as the bullets rained down women and God help me, even the children began to fall screams, cries of terror each one silenced after the next until there was no more. And in that moment, Uncle Freddy had where his anger once was, he, he felt a great pride. And the teacher said, my God, what, the, what a terrible, no wonder you're like this. <laughs> my gosh oh no I've heard that one before oh dirty johnny what i don't know why he'd even tell you such a thing you're 12 years old what a horrible thing and i i, I i'm i'm scared to even ask was there actually a a moral to that i i can't even imagine dirty johnny said sure as hell is Uncle Freddie says he wants a job. You get him one at the hatchery. <laughs> so that's how you knew that this was your calling. Was that's how I knew. Yes, hear, that's hearing knew. about and women yes, and children getting was... mowed down. You were like, yeah, that's. Honestly, the first two things with the counting the chickens and all of that, that mm. really drove it home. But they, okay. if there was any doubt at all, it was the thing about the killing. Yeah, that that makes sense. Uh, that would that would spark some hunger in me to make something out of my life as well. Yes, a good <laughs> hunger. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is brought to you by My Arkit. And if you go right now, you get a free 30-day trial, folks. Now, listen, if you, you, if you want to pull the thing up, the, there is not... A single one of you that is listening or watching this that doesn't have photos and videos that you want to make sure are saved in perpetuity, long after you're gone, your kids, your grandkids, their grandkids, and so forth. You want to be able to see them. But big tech, oh boy, they don't care about that. They just want those buckaroos, as they call them, those buckaroos. And so sure. if your images get in the way of them being able to maximize their profits, then I can tell you they're not going to keep them. And if there's something on there that might be a little naughty or untoward or or something that could be canceled by these snowflakes 10, 15, maybe even 100 years from now, by golly, they're going to memory hole it faster than you could shake a stick at the previous thing. So what the so it, what you can do with my arcit though, they protect it. You, you pull it right out of the memory hole and put it in your own hole with my arcit to 30 day free trial. You just go to my arcit and then use yeah. .com to use promo code FSM. There you go. Which as we know, stands for fight for Liberty. <laughs> free speech media. 
Oh, yeah. Free speech media. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, so speaking of things that you um, have been inspired to do, uh, let's switch to uh, You Are the Power. You got the nice, Okay. The nice <laughs> we can actually have a real interview now. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to both Brian and Tom and Jason all extensively before this about how this, yes. the first 20 minutes of this show is going to go. Correct. Yes. Um, so last time I had you on with uh, Alex Stein, you had the power was still like really new. You guys were on like yeah. the second, maybe third cause, something like that. Now you guys are uh, over over a dozen. Uh, what does the success rate look like and how do you determine success with these causes? Yeah. So if you include the ones that we never even go public with or even have to post about because we just reach out to people behind the scenes and say, hey, stop doing this. And that's usually enough. Or we give some guidance to the locals on on how they can fight it before we have to get involved. And, and that works. We're well over, I, I think at this point, something like 40 or 45 of them. We, we've done quite a few at the this point we've done dozens of causes across the country uh success rate i i used to say it was over 70 percent, but at this point i think we're somewhere around around 85 90 percent and, and that's if you count success as the local government um just completely backing off of or, or at least partially backing off of whatever it was that we attacked them on uh for for that they shouldn't have been doing in the first place but if we count success as bringing people into the movement to fight against this and them staying in this movement to continue fighting against other examples of government abusing people that we find along the way, then I would say our success rate is 100 percent. But using the, the I guess, the standard of, um, you know, winning on that particular issue, the, the cause that we were working on, we're well over 85 I'm probably close to 90 percent. The last few nice. we've almost invariably uh, succeeded on. It's been absolutely incredible. Fuck yeah. Um, that's, I, I've been absolutely just like stoked to get to be a part of and watch some of the stuff that's that's going on. Might actually have a new thing up closer to me that I actually get to like be a part of here oh, nice. in the near future, which would be really cool. Um, so what are what are some of the the like cooler ones that you've been a part of ones that you want to like give a shout out? Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is with these causes, and I, I actually met uh, over the weekend, I was in uh, Georgia for the Libertarian Party of Georgia Convention, and we actually had one of the families whose causes we've been working on uh, and succeeding on uh, there, and I, I got to meet them, and, you know, they're thanking us and for everything that we've done and said that they want to stay on to help other families like theirs uh, after they've won on their issue, and I told them, I, I said, I wish that we didn't have to do this. I, I wish that, you know, if I had ever met you, it was for something good. Not that I'm meeting you because they've been trying to tear your family apart. We're helping you fight back. Um, but it's really terrible. Like the, the causes, I mean, we've worked on some causes where we just are stepping in and helping charities who are voluntarily working uh, together to, uh, to, to help people. And there's not really any government doing anything insidious or whatever involved. Those are nice feel good things, but like, you know, our causes are these terrible heartbreaking things. And, and the, what's cool and what's you know great about it is when we win on them. Um, but it really does. Like, I wish you were the power didn't have to exist or at least not exist the way that it does. I wish we could just focus on helping people and not on dealing with corrupt and, and seemingly malignant people who, because they're government officials suddenly decide they don't have to treat us with the same level of 
consideration and respect that they would in that we expect of each other just as a baseline. Um, but I'll give you some examples. So uh, the one I was just talking about in Georgia, that's the most recent one we've been working on. Um, the Hernandez family in uh, in Forsyth County, Georgia. Um, long story short, it's a, a husband and wife and their their uh, four year, now four year old daughter at the time she was three and uh, infant daughter, newborn daughter. And the newborn daughter uh, has um, some swelling in her legs and and they uh, and, and some I think some redness. And so they took her to the pediatrician who said, well, I think you should take her to the ER. So they took her to the ER. The ER did some testing. And the first thing that came back was the x-ray results, which are, you know, they get them right then. And uh, the, they're wait, well, you know, they're waiting for all the blood work and everything. But the, the, um, the uh, x-ray shows uh, uh, fractures in her legs and I believe in her arms as well, some of which are new and some of which are healing. And the child abuse physician based on this says, this might be abuse, uh, it's probably abuse. I'm going to go ahead and uh, and and call DFACS, which is Department of Family and Children's Services. DFACS comes, takes the newborn child from them. Now, keep in mind, these are parents that have done nothing wrong. They literally took their child to the ER. They're being told out of nowhere, we're seizing your child. There's nothing you can do about it. They mm -hmm. follow up, uh, check the home, see that everything's fine, uh, decide still to charge the mother with abuse. Uh, and to seize the um, the older daughter, uh, Aria. She's, she was three at the time. So it turns out when the when the blood work and everything else comes back, it turns out Emma, the, the infant child, has a chronic medical condition. She has either neonatal rickets, which is something that clears up as they get older, or she might have what Thomas Queter has, osteogenesis imperfecta, which means it's a lifelong thing, uh, which requires some seriously intensive treatment. Um, and... The judge hears that and decides to ignore it and instead listen to the child abuse physician who shows up with no paperwork, has no idea how these chronic conditions work, and says, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's abuse because in most of these cases, statistically, they are abuse. And when the uh, parent's attorney, one of the parent's attorneys, uh, says, "How do you, what, what's the source of that statistic? He goes, you can look it up on the internet. <laughs> the doctors who had evidence that she has a chronic medical condition and showed that there was no evidence of her being abused were ignored in favor of the guy who said, look it up on the internet. And so as a result, on the strength of that evidence, uh, the children were seized uh, for quite some time. The mother was not allowed to see the children. Uh, to this day, this started last June, to this day, the mother and the father, are, who are husband and wife, are not allowed to see or speak with each other. They have not been allowed to forget live together as husband and wife. They haven't been allowed to even speak to one another. They only recently, thanks to the judge miraculously doing a 180 uh, after just happening to receive hundreds or maybe even thousands of emails when we put the content out about this uh, from angry people from around the world, uh, she just completely unrelated to that. She did a 180 and decided to uh, allow the kids to be seen by their parents um, and to um, and, and instead of the children being in foster care, which they've been in this whole time, now the children are uh, with the aunt and uncle. Now, the judge actually cannot place them back with the parents because they're still active criminal um uh, criminal charges against both the mother and the father. So she, the judge is doing everything she can do. She's the family court judge. So now we're pushing to have those charges dropped. Um, that's the most recent one that we're working on, but we've been working on and actually are actively working on many others as well. But that's the one we've been the most focused on because this involves a newborn child 
who potentially could die or suffer permanent injury if she's not getting treatment. Uh, not to mention the fact that the family is just being torn apart. I mean, even now that the children, uh, uh, the parents do have say over their, um, their, how their children are being treated and, and their medical attention and everything else. And they're with the aunt and uncle and not with some foster parents they don't know. But even still, they're still not together as a family. And so we're going to continue fighting uh, for that family. As we've been doing that, turns out DFAX does this all the time. Hmm. It turns out that uh, there are many more cases that have been brought to our attention of uh, people whose children, uh, usually newborn or very young children, uh, had medical conditions and were being seized by the government uh, with the assumption of abuse, even though there was no evidence of it. We also found out that between 2021 and now, DFAX has lost 1,800 children. Holy shit. Just where are they? No one knows. Were they trafficked? Were they killed god forbid did they run away did many of them very likely many of them just turn 18 and graduate out of the system with no family we don't know they don't know so we're going to be working on a lot more on this just in georgia alone but th this is the kind of stuff we deal with across the country hell yeah um it is it's awesome to hear the ends of these stories um, I know I, t I talked about this a little bit with Jason when he came on a few months ago of like, you know, you hear all of these stories on the Internet. You know, the, the, this isn't like new stuff, especially for people that run in the circles of the Internet that you and I do. Like yeah, yeah, we're yeah. we're inundated with police brutality stuff and all of this other stuff. But yeah. there's no follow up. Yeah. At all. <laughs> and, you know, I've. I've done some digging on a few of the videos that I've seen to at least find like the officer's name. Yeah. Uh, and so like when I'm posting stuff, I can at least have the officer's name. But a lot of times it's just look at this shitty thing that happened. Nobody like it's somebody that, that downloaded it and shared it and downloaded it, shared it down. Like it's just yeah. some like crazy uh, fights videos type Twitter account that yeah, just yeah, all yeah. they do is just post crazy shit and there's no way to like actually get back to the story and figure out like how to move forward with it to actually get justice it's just oh my god look at this terrible thing that happened yeah, uh, yeah. where when I see you post something I know that even if it's a year from now I'm going to get to talk to you about how that ended up even if right even if the like you or the power doesn't stay on the cause something like you know we we don't stay in touch we don't end up taking the cause like yeah. we still usually keep in touch and there's some sort of a end to the story even if it's a bad ending it's still like some sort of closure you know i would rather know that this cop is still on the force in this town or whatever than not yeah. have a clue cuz you know a lot of times there is some sort of actual repercussion. You know, a lot of times these cops are getting fired and we don't know about it. And I think it would be nice yeah. to hear more of that, you know, because uh, I feel like we have kind of a skewed opinion that like no one in the police force in America is getting held accountable for their stuff. And right, when right. videos go viral, it's, it's, it's rare that they don't actually. And a lot of times when I do go digging and digging, it's like, oh yeah, this guy got fired or at least put on administrative leave for a while or something. You know, there were actually repercussions that we just don't know about. Um, but I like, I, I want to talk about like the, the name of, of you are the power. Cause I had, I had a really interesting conversation. It was like a, 
five hour long conversation over the weekend. One of my friends called me basically uh, they saw something online that they wanted to argue about. And I was the the friend that would take their call and argue with them for five hours. That was <laughs> closest in line to the person on the Internet that they saw because they they really yes. wanted to be arguing with Dave Smith. But I'm, I'm I guess, yeah. a good proxy for him. <laughs> but, well, your name is David. Yeah, so there is I mean, that. there's there is that. Um, it does help a little bit. Um, and, but, but basically their, their main point was that the Liberty movement has no power and does nothing. And is, you know, a a speech I'm sure you've heard plenty of times before as well. Uh, (laughs) nothing, nothing new. Uh, but I, I actually, this is one of my new favorite conversations to get to have with people, especially if they specifically broaden their attack to the movement. Because if they're like, the party's useless, I'll be like, yeah, sure. That's why I left it. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but if they say like libertarian, like the idea, she was really like attacking the ideology and like that right. we are just, it's just kind of a thin ideology that doesn't have the ability to become a powerful populist movement of any kind. Um, yeah. Which like some of her criticisms are very, very accurate. Some of them were completely false. But like, it's really fun to get to a come back at these things with no we are actually weaponizing thousands of keyboard warriors around the country to have family court judges flip their decisions and have families get reunited like this is a real thing that's actually happening and i thought it was really funny because she she kept going over this whole like the move that the movement doesn't have any power I was like, well, <laughs> there's a great organization Actually, that's like the whole thing is this. It turns out <laughs> that you are the power, right? Actually, Heather. Um, but no, it's it's uh, the um, <laughs> no. So I, one of the most rewarding things about what I do now, because for many years and and even still sometimes I will be posting like, here's this terrible story of some you know out of control government agency uh or you know some out of control politician or police officer or whatever and look at the damage that they've done and the only actionable thing there is this is why you shouldn't trust government now that's fine as a lesson but you know if your audience increasingly agrees with you then the next step is all right so are we just going to be like black pilled and hate everything or now what like okay we agree with you we don't like the government now what and it is incredibly rewarding to be able to share these, essentially these heartbreaking stories of something that's happening right now or just happened, and then end it by saying, here's what we're going to do to stop it, and here's how you can help. So not only are we saying, here's this terrible thing, which drives home the point that don't trust government, and whether someone's a politician or just your neighbor or someone walking down the street, you need to expect that, that they uh, you need to have an expectation that they respect you as an individual person, just like you would for them, uh, no matter what capacity they're in government or, or elsewise, uh, or either way, um, not only are we getting that message, we're also saying, here's what we're doing to stop that or to reverse what they've done and to, you know, give justice and respect to the people that they've been harming. And here's how you can help. So for the people going, I'm sick of the liberty movement. They're never doing anything. There's nothing we can do. Hey, great. Come join you with the power. We'll give you stuff to do at least a couple times a, a week. 
Like we will give you a lot of stuff to do. And uh, and it's it's largely stuff you can do from the comfort of your couch. You don't even have to get up. I mean, if we're having an event nearby you, you're welcome to come and join us, but you don't have to. Like yeah. we're now with the Hernandez cause that we were just talking about with the family in Georgia, we're now creating pages for each of our causes moving forward so that we can say, hey, here's here's the basics of what's going on. Here's the page you can go to, which gives, you know, updated information, up to the minute information on what's going on uh, with that cause. A list of people that you can contact, tell them to back off. We'll even give you a, a template you can use when sending out the email or text message or whatever, or if you're calling them and you can use it there. And that way, you know, if you, you know, don't know what to say, you're not just calling or emailing them and saying, hey, you suck. I hate you. You can actually give them something that you can talk about the cause and, and something actionable and tell them what it is you want them to do. And we have all of that there. And so now, you know, we're actually giving people something to do. And that is incredibly that's the second most rewarding and fulfilling part of what it is that I do is that I'm not just telling people, you know, yeah, the government sucks and, you know, you shouldn't trust them and look at these people, their lives have been ruined. I'm saying, look at this terrible thing that's happening. Here's what we're doing to put an end to it. And here's how you can help us. The mo most rewarding thing is to speak with, or in some cases, meet the people that we've been able to help mm -hmm. and seeing how their lives are much better than they would have been if we hadn't found out. And and it's really just we were the ones that found out about it and did something about it. The the lady in uh, Indiana who was facing having her home stolen because her, her property stolen because her home burnt down and you know the insurance company so gave her a trailer. Wild. It was so it was the zoning board just wanted her property and it turned out they do that all the time. Mm -hmm. She thought she was the next one. She thought she was just going to lose her property and she and her husband and kids were going to have to figure out where to live. Mm -hmm. She was an elderly woman. She wasn't working. And she's on social security, I think. Yeah. I don't want to and, give And instead people's... she's in her, she, now she's in her house. Like her home has been built and she's in her house because of the work that we and, and our partners there in Indiana did to help her. And, you know, to talk to these people and, and see that we're helping them restore their lives and that they're now on fire to help fight for other people. That's the real stuff. That's the most rewarding part of this easily. The most rewarding part. Hell yeah. I, um, I have a, we have a mutual friend. I won't name him just because I don't want to like, talk to, I haven't gotten permission to like tell the story on air, but I'm going <laughs> to anyway. Um, mutual friend of ours up in New Hampshire um, mm. almost had the same situation happen. Uh, but luckily, like without the house burning down part, the, just he yeah. has a trailer that he lived in most of the summer as he was like kind of traveling and doing a bunch of random shit uh, and then kind of just stayed living in in his backyard because why not? Um, yeah. and the, he was like basically given some sort of a, for, for lack of a better word, like a cease and desist, like move back into your fucking house. Otherwise you're going to get in trouble. Um, Incredible. and uh, him and me and another friend of ours kind of had a conversation about like, like he was already planning to, cause it's New Hampshire and this was right. in November or something. So like. Why would you choose to do that when you have a house? Um, right. But he was like genuinely debating just for this this hell of it, staying in the trailer for a couple more weeks just to as like a fucking make me like just to make the point. Yeah, exactly. About it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know he ended up just not. Also, like apparently the the zoning office in his town basically closes for the winter, so there wasn't gonna be any enforcement until like March anyway. <laughs> so he'd just be freezing in his in his trailer 
hey look i'm in my trailer and they're like well, listen we're doing the holidays we don't care what you're doing right um yeah i think like the the, <laughs> the main dude over because like a one person office basically and yeah. and he was like gonna be on vacation for the next like eight weeks or something so it's just of course, no of reason course. to do it <laughs> but um i think there but is... it's the point that they would do that like yeah, yeah he's already gonna move into his house but what business is it of theirs mm -hmm. like he's in his trailer he's not bothering anyone what's your problem like wh why are you e why do you even know that he's not in his house like why is that why did you even go and check that like what what right. who who are you to be spying on me on my property to see which which of the the structures on my property i'm i'm sleeping in like what a creepy thing yeah that you know i honestly don't think i thought about that part of it that is kind of fucking weird yeah <laughs> that is super super dicey um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i um i don't know, i i really love the kind of like uh how are you kind of describe it? it's like a I'll coin a new term, a pink pill. It's like a red and a white pill simultaneously getting involved with you are the power because we we're also out there waking people up. Like you said, I, I know I hate myself already. Yeah, for I don't saying want, all let's of not this. call it a uh, pink pill. Then people are like, <laughs> oh, you know, there would the thing. Yeah. So whatever, like that's what you do. That's what you but, do. But that's not, I don't want right, to like, put that forward. We're just mixing. We we're, we're Listen, mixing just because you like making, you have a very reddish aesthetic here. I see with like the, the names and you've made me red and I get it. You like the pink of things and that's fine. This is your show. This is your show. But no, we're not, we're, we're, we're power pilling people. Power pilling. There we go. Um, go. But the the part like you say, we're like we're out here telling people like the government sucks. So I get to use the cases or causes that we're involved in often with arguments with like super statist people or um, you know like even minarchists who are like, but is the government actually really evil? It's like yes. Um, here's here's a real life example of how just just bureaucracy of mostly good actors are yes. doing this terrible thing. Uh, yep. Like it's always going to be terrible. But also if you're in an argument with somebody who's like super black pilled anarchist, who's just like, there's no point. It's like, no, there is a point where we've yeah, changed we yep. dozens of lives just in the last year. And imagine yep. how many more we're going to change in 2024 and imagine how many more exactly. we can, if you help. So like, come on, let's go. You know, and it, it, it's just such an empowering message that that comes so quickly after the everything's terrible, hate everything, but we have we do have a solution. Here you go. And it's just something that like, you know, doesn't come with uh, any any electoral political movement. You know, no party can promise you change by the end of the month. Like somebody's life is better at the end Good of the point, month yeah. that wasn't today almost you know yeah. maybe maybe that's a little bit of pushing it but you know what i mean it's so much more uh real and and tangible getting to do this than any sort of like a, we're gonna elect bernie sanders or anything you know like <laughs> well and, and also you know a big part of why a lot of you know the so-called normies or statists or whatever why they don't believe us they don't want to if we tell them just government's bad here are examples of that a lot of people aren't ready for that like a lot of people would rather have the the normalcy bias and the the delusion that everything's okay as long as it, they don't feel like it's personally affecting them and 
you know, I mean, it's easy for us to, to make fun of them for that. But the reality is like a lot of people are just trying to make it through life. And then if you tell them, yeah, you know, the whole system is a farce and, you know, our, our whole monetary system is built on theft and they're they're robbing you every second of every day. And, you know, they can't wait to send your your children and grandchildren off to fight and die in bankers wars. And what, like, I mean, it just it gets overwhelming. And then if you get really granular and say, yeah, and even in your own backyard, your local officials are robbing people blind, often convincing themselves that they're doing the right thing because they've just been doing it for so long. Like it's a a bit much for yeah. a lot of people they're just like i don't want to believe this and so the reaction is just to kind of turn it off but if instead you say here is this really terrible thing that's happening and it's either in your backyard or it's in a backyard that's just like yours here in america and here's what we're going to do to stop it and here's how you can help us and it's not even a big ask like it's not we're not saying you have to give us thousands of dollars or you have to be on the phone for several hours or anything here's a handful of people we need you to email and or call and here's what we'd like you to ask them And if you agree with us you can do this and if you'd like to join us in doing more like this here's our link to become a member and you can become a free member if you're able to give some to help you know push this movement forward then we'd certainly certainly welcome it but if nothing else you can just join and be a part of it that's an empowering thing yes it comes with that like very crushing and indisputable reality that yeah things are bad and they're only going to get worse if we don't do something about it but without skipping or with just a small comma we then say and here's what you can do to join us with it and i think that's a that's a uh, a needle that hasn't been threaded very well in the liberty movement broadly speaking there certainly are those who have been doing it or trying to do it we often are either just telling people that things are bad or we're saying things are bad and that we have this like uh, uh like almost hopeless quest like you know uh the the system is robbing you blind but we're going to get a libertarian elected to the white house this year and they're going to end the fed well first of all the likelihood of a libertarian getting elected this year is the same it's been for the last 50 years and second of all a president can't just unilaterally end the fed so it's it's you know we, we are either saying there's nothing we can do about it or we're setting such a ridiculous goal for now like from now to that step one is that that it, it we might as well be saying that there's no hope yeah right so it's much better to say hey look i'm not going to try to tell you that a a libertarian can get elected to the white house it could happen i'll tell you what the javier Millet thing was surprising as hell to me. So, you know, my 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 uh, horizon of what's possible has is, is certainly widened a lot in the last few months. But the reality is I can instead, or at the same time, I can give you literally dozens of families and households and communities that are suffering right now. And with your help, we can end that suffering that they're having. We can bring more people in the, into the movement to join us to do even more. And we can show people that we can actually fight back against this and that we don't have to live this way and that we can demand that public officials, government officials, enforcers, bureaucrats, and everyone else can be forced to respect us the same way we'd expect of them if they weren't government officials. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love that I love that we're doing both at the same time. I feel like usually yeah. in most in most cases it's it's like a two two different organizations doing like one and, and the other and but there's uh enough of a community within the movement that it's easy to like pass people off from one to the other. Like uh for instance in, in like religion, the seminaries aren't the people doing corner preaching. 
you know right like there's there's the people that go out and get the people and then there's the people that like train and and do stuff with the people who have been gotten and they're usually kind of separate tasks but they all meet in the middle somewhere at a church <laughs> once a week or something you know like and and yeah, it's, yeah. it's there's a transitional energy there where the the movement just doesn't have that piece where you know every day i feel like i'm finding a new successful staffed organization in the movement that's out here doing stuff and writing bills or yep. lobbying stuff or or doing yep. stuff kind of yep. like what we're doing that i've never fucking heard of and they've been dying for volunteers for a decade that they've been around and if i had just known that they existed like if i knew that the 10th amendment center existed when i joined the party in 2017 and i could have gotten involved with them back when they had state coordinators and were more of a a big kind of gr grassroots organization yep. where there was a position to kind of get involved th th my trajectory as a libertarian would have been completely different and probably a lot more useful and helpful and positive <laughs> <laughs> you know instead of wasting three years trying to get myself elected to various things and and other people it's interesting that you mentioned the uh 10th amendment center because uh, um it was michael's talk about tenther cells uh was actually one of the things that was kind of in the back of my head uh back of my mind when i was traveling across the country campaigning in 2020 um I ran for vice president in 2020. I don't know. If you... mm -hmm. Anyway, so when I was when I was doing the really? campaigning, yeah, no, I did. I, I ran for. Wow, I came in third cool. place. Nice. Came in third place. Yeah, Bronx. all 50 that's states. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Joe Jorgensen was the running mate. Joe Jorgensen. Who? Anyway, so the the <laughs> so I'm going across the country and I'm I'm campaigning. I was in like I think 38 states or 37 states, something like that. 30 something. I was in a lot of states in a relatively short period of time, and a bunch of things are all happening at once. I'm trying to build this movement around this campaign. It's a nationwide campaign. And I'm seeing that, you know, we had a, a pretty decent uh, campaign apparatus that was, you know, making plans at the national level. But then when I would show up to events, it was the locals, the local affiliates, the local volunteers that came out. They were the ones that were making stuff work, right? Mm -hmm. They were the ones that would say, oh, yeah, actually, we're going to have it over there because here's not a good place or well, that the thing we needed didn't come in time from the the campaign, but we went ahead and went up to the hardware store and got what we needed. Like they were they were making it work, uh, often for pennies on the dollar what was being spent at the national level, and that makes sense. That's why we support decentralization. And so I saw that I saw that there were a lot of activists who were trying to do work, and I saw that they were often complaining that you know yeah every every you know couple every four years we we fight for ballot access, we fight for our candidates, and then we kind of like go into almost like a stasis or we start fighting each other and that's not very useful, but we want to keep doing stuff. We want to build some momentum. Mm -hmm. And I had people that, you know, I was talking to either in interviews or meeting at my campaign events who were like, you know, the problem is it just feels like libertarians are just showing up every few years and they're not really doing anything on the ground. I don't really ever see libertarians in my community. And they're saying libertarians like small L like ideology. They're not necessarily mm -hmm. talking about the party. They're just like, I hear about libertarianism every time you go, guys are running for president or governor or whatever. I'm not really hearing much about it otherwise. And then, and this was, I think the part that kind of brought it all together. I had people coming to my events, some of whom had driven several hours, some of whom had slept in their cars uh, because they either couldn't afford to stay in a hotel room or there weren't any hotel rooms available during the, the lockdowns and that kind of stuff um, and the restrictions. And they would come and they would tell me these terrific, horrific stories of things that were happening to them, usually being done by their local and state governments. And, you know, I'm running a national campaign. So I'm telling them, hey, listen, 
I will do everything I can to try to connect you with people in the area that might be able to help you uh, and see if we can, you know, build something. And I, and I can, I can post about it on my social media and try to see if, you know, people can, can help you there. But, um, you know, I'm running a federal campaign, so I, I can't really run on this issue and I can't promise that I can help you even if I could get elected, but I can see what I can do. Mm -hmm. And I realized as I was doing it, because it was it was all kind of ad hoc in the middle of a national campaign, I would see if I had knew any libertarian people in that area that could help. And I would put it on my social media and I would kind of try to connect people together and, and, and they would try to connect people together. And I realized something here. We got a bunch of people in the liberty movement who want something useful to do, and they're willing to be able to do the work, but they need they need to have at least a level of guidance of here's what we're working on. Here's how we do it. Come and join us. We got a bunch of people that probably would be on board with libertarianism, uh, but they feel like they, they never really hear from us. We have this really big need to demonstrate that we care about people in their communities and to show that our ideas actually work in practice and not just on paper and to really contrast it with the damage being caused by the status quo, again, in practice and not just in a speech or a, or a, or a paper. And then I guess probably most importantly, we've got people that are suffering right now as a result of the fact that we aren't libertarian. We aren't living in libertarianism. We're living in statism. And I thought we can help the people who are being harmed right now. We can organize those people who need something to do to grow the liberty movement. We can invite that public who wants to see you know, what we have to, to help them with. And how, how our ideas work for them and say, not only we're going to show you how our ideas work, but here's how you can join us and help. We don't even need to convince you yet. Just come and join us and help us on this. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, we can hit all of these things at once and we can drive home the underlying message of libertarianism, which is that we do best when we are most free and that when things are happening to us, uh, you know, very often that the things that we are suffering from are as a direct result of too much power being in the hands of too few people who often use it against us. And that they're not respecting us and that they're not showing consideration for us and that we can demand that, you know, especially at the local level. These people are not protected by some army or something. Yeah. You can blow up their email and they'll go, oh, wow, maybe I shouldn't do that. Like this is an eminently fixable thing. And yeah. so, you know, putting all those pieces together, that's ultimately how you were the power started. And we've just continued to grow and expand and become more successful over time. Hell yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I think that that's been that's honestly kind of the part of the issue that I tried to solve when I started this show was kind of doing the both the red and the white pill at the same time of, yeah. uh, you know, I'll have on like an Adam Kokesh or somebody that'll just be like, it's all gonna we're all gonna end. Uh, but then I have Michael Bolden on two weeks later to be like, here's how we're solving problems or, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, and, and trying to kind of balance that honestly more white pills than anything else of just like these are yeah. people who are doing cool shit. Here's how you can you can get involved. But I think um, like you are the power in, in my opinion is like I, I, I love it. I don't know. I, I'm obviously biased, but also <laughs> I've spent many years thinking of how like what kind of a, a nonprofit like activist organization I would start when I had the ability to start one. And this is like this is basically everything that I wanted. So why start it when I can just work with you? Like, you know, and, and that's the thing we everything. we've been telling people because, you know, I I libertarians were a finicky bunch right not everyone is going to yeah i know no. I, I i i hate to be the one to issue that not pink I. pill 
but uh well no not you no not you but the uh uh the you know i some libertarians might look at what i'm doing and go eh, i do it differently okay great here's a basic blueprint of what we do if there's anything you like there then take it you know we're, we haven't claimed some proprietary copyright or anything like that go to our site we don't even look at our, our yeah, well, that's the thing. Exactly. So go to our site, look at our mission statement, look at our statement of goals and our statement of values. Anything you like there, take it. Anything you don't like, leave it there. Anything you think would be better or that you want to add to it, add to it or change it and go and do it yourself. But if there, if for anyone who's like, hey, you know what? I like what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. Great. Come and join it. And if you say, hey, look, you know, I like how you do it this way, but I was thinking maybe I could do it that way. As long as it comports with our goals and our values, go at it. Like, you know, our, we, we try to be as, and as we're growing, we're able to be more and more bottom up instead of top down. From the beginning, we kind of had to be top down because we were kind of building that momentum and providing best practices and things like that. As we continue to expand, it's becoming less and less top down and more and more bottom up. And, you know, I expect that, you know, especially as, now that we're building out our state organizers and so forth, they're each going to do the things a little bit differently in their state or in their in their region or in their metro area or whatever. And that's fine. We don't expect everyone to do everything the exact same way. As long as it, it, it comports with our mission, which is to spread and act upon the principle of human respect. And as long as it aligns with our statement of goals and our statement of values, which is basically these are the things we want to accomplish. And this is the way we conduct ourselves as members of you are the power have at it. Mm. I'd love, I am not going to pretend that I know every good way to do things, especially not when it comes to organizing. This is my first nonprofit that I've ever run. So I am certain that there are people that are going to join who are going to do all sorts of organizing stuff in their community and in their region or metro area or state or whatever, uh, or maybe across the country far better than I ever could come join us and be a part of it. Yeah. So you started to answer my next question, but didn't quite get there. So I still get to answer it or ask it because okay. um, <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the, the, the kind of structure of of the organization because like you said mm -hmm. it started off it was very top down it was you kind of like having an idea and then like kind of the people that you had brought with you from the campaign yeah. or a couple more yep. people had added on it was just kind of like the small group of people with you up top now you have like the council and amira and a jason and it's kind of like almost more next to you than neck than under you uh with yep. like regional and state organizers and this whole thing yep so how yep. did you how did you guys build that out how did you figure out what roles you wanted to create and then find the people to fill them yeah so we have uh, from the beginning i wanted to be very fluid with how we built this out because we're doing something that hasn't quite been done before and i have experience in the for-profit world the startup and entrepreneurial world and a lot of that has been very helpful but a lot of it hasn't really you know crossed <laughs> over into how to do a nonprofit. like it's it, it is a different beast uh, in, in some ways I am a kind of a glorified spokesperson slash professional beggar. And it, and it's not, you know, like it's it, it's a new thing that we're all kind of learning together. Uh, so for that reason, I had ideas of, of how I wanted this to work. And I still have ideas of things that I'm I'm adding kind of moving forward as it as it grows to the point where we can in include different things that I wanted to try to include. But from the beginning, I was like, I have a basic framework of how I want this to look. And it is a very, very fluid and subject to change because I am about 
I, I'm a good, I, I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy I want to build a, a, a bit of a framework. And as soon as I find something that either isn't working or could work better, uh, I will change it immediately. Like if it's not working a certain way, or if it's going to work better another way, then let's go ahead and do it that way. And so, you know, what we now have, we have kind of a, a core, I guess, national team of people. Um, so we have uh, me, the, the the head of it. We have uh, Myra, who's the executive director. We have Bob, who's the treasurer. Uh, we have Jason, who's the volunteer director. Uh, we have Jenny, who's sort of our, uh, you know, she does a lot of our video and graphics. Um, we have uh, Brian, who's sort of the jack of all trades and on a variety of things. Um, we have Sierra, who does a lot of the social media and and kind of flex work to help with the different directors. And then uh, and then you know at the at the volunteer level, we have the the regional organizers. We have we're now beginning to build out state organizers. We wanted to have a regional organizer in every region to start so that we had the whole country covered. But I wasn't going to try to make 50 state organizers if that state wasn't ready yet. And so we now have, I think, uh, six or seven state organizers. So we're we're letting that build out more organically. And then we're allowing them to have a lot of autonomy at the um, at the state level to build out the organization from there however they want to do they want to do it by county do they want to do it by metro area do they want to just have a handful of people who work at large for that state however they want to do it do it you know however they want to do it we're giving them the list of members we got close to 3000 members now or right around 3000 members now we give them the list of members in their state we get the regional organizers the the list of uh, members in their region have at it build this out the way that you want to build it out we are here to help signal boost you with social media. We are here to help provide best practices through our training and just through our guidance on how, how things have worked best, especially on social media and, and just uh, uh, activism in general. We're going to bring in people who are experts in their field to help with training. We've been doing that for well over a year now. Um, and, uh, you know, we will, we will provide whatever resources and assistance at the top that we can. Um, with the idea that, you know, you're doing the bulk of the work more locally and regionally, and uh, and we want you to kind of decide how that works. And as this expands, that's more and more becoming the model of how it's working. It's being directed more and more at that local or state level with our guidance and best practices and assistance at the top, which is what I was hoping that it would be. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the areas that does kind of cross over from business is you can't create too many positions at one time you know you no. you can't expand faster than you actually can you need to know what yes. that sweet spot is um and it's even it's harder with a group like this because most of those are volunteers so you can't yep. hire fire like there's no pay involved you know like it's a completely different atmosphere it's one of the reasons i got out of politics and back into business because i just can't with people i'm not paying and can't fire but um uh i yeah you you to try to like do 50 state organizers last year would have been insane and you would have ended up with it would have been a, it, it, who were kind of half-assed and eh, yeah it, it would have also been a lot of people who were excited to do something and we didn't have anything for them yet. It yeah. was already hard enough for us to just say, okay, here are, you know, get our, our, what, seven regional organizers. Even then we still had some people who were like, okay, I'm waiting. What are we doing? You know, what, you got anything for me yet? And we had some people who were like, you know what, maybe this wasn't for me. So we had a couple of people that that ended up, they chose to either go into a different capacity in the organization and then we replaced them with someone else. We haven't really 
had to, you know, let a tremendous number of people go yet um, for the most part. So that's been good, but you know, it's been more, especially at the volunteer level, like you said, you don't really fire a volunteer, like, hmm. you know, your last paycheck for nothing. Well, you'll get that next week. <laughs> like, you know uh, uh, you know, 90 days notice or whatever. It's none of that, but it's, it's been mostly just, you know, when we, when we, decided to have all the regional organizers announced at the same time. Yeah. There's been a little shifting around. If we had had to do that at the state level, that would have been absolutely impossible. We weren't, we weren't there. We're still not there to try to do all 50, nor should we, as it, as it's necessary, uh, those things will, will, those people in those areas will come up and say, Hey, can I do more here? And we'll say, yeah, if you, you know, if you want to direct it, here's the, you know, here's what you can do. Or people we've had some people rise up and go, Hey, are you looking to have a state level director? And we're like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so that that has worked very well. And so far, you know, the people we've had in those state levels, they've been great. They've been self-starters for the most part. They've been very open to the 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 causes that we're giving to them. You know, we had a whole structure that we created um that was, you know, vetting the causes that turned out not to be the best way to have it structured. And so just about all those people uh that were in that structure are still a part of you or the power just in different, you know, in a different structure than what we had originally built. That's the kind of stuff that happens as we go along. You know, those are like right now, for example, we don't have an advisory board. I suspect that we will have an advisory board in the future. Right now we don't. If I tried to build an advisory board just to have one, I don't think it would serve as well as if we allow that to grow organically. So that's, that's really how we've tried to do this. We don't have some deadline of like, you know, we need to meet X number of ROI metrics or whatever by this time. We do have some, I, I should say, we do have some guidelines on some some metrics we want to meet, but none of them are around. We need X number of volunteers or employees or anything like that. Yeah. It's all about the end result, not about the, yep. yeah. Which, yeah, I think it's, it's something that, especially in business and usually in politics and even like nonprofit world, it's, there's a, there's the misnomer of like just dollar spent equals things done. You know, I was I was reading an article earlier today about um, like there was a record uh, disparity between like green energy and fossil fuel expenditure in 2023. Yeah, uh, it was like 70 uh, percent for fossil fuel versus like 100, you know, whatever it, there was were they're outpacing spending on green energy versus fossil fuels. And I'm like, right, right. Cool how much has the fossil fuel number actually gone down? Are you just spending absorbent amounts of money on yes. green energy? <laughs> and how much has that produced? Because it's one thing to say, yeah, we spent X number of money on windmills and, and uh, you know, uh, 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 solar panels and, and so forth. Okay. How much has that produced? And, right. you know, it, the problem is, especially in the nonprofit world, being able to say we spent X amount of money if you don't find a better way to share the metrics of your success, that's the easiest way to do it. Mm -hmm. But I don't like that metric because what that tells me is like, yeah, I spent a bunch of money and then what? So we've been, you know, we've developed or, and are continuing to develop how we tell the story, both to the public at large and to some of our larger stakeholders, uh, donors, and to our, our smaller donors and members as well. And I think that the best thing, the best two that we've shown, um, have been, the the hard metrics like number of causes we've worked on and um and the number of people that have joined and been a part of it the number of success stories we've had and things like that but then there's a new one we're building out of like well how many people have we have we gotten to uh, adopt 
the principle of human respect, that that principle mm -hmm. that we all need to be respecting each other as individual human beings. And that's how we are able to maximize our, our harmony, harmoniousness and our prosperity and our happiness. Um, and so, you know, we're coming up with ways to, to have people uh, demonstrate or sign something saying that they believe in this principle, uh, even requesting testimonials from them. And so this is something that's kind of, it's a little bit less tangible than, you know, X number of members, X number of causes worked on, but it still tells a greater story that we're actually impacting people, not just in their activism and the number of things they've done for us, the number of emails they've written or calls they've made or whatever, but like impacted them in terms of how they think about things. And that's the number one thing. We're trying to build out a culture of liberty or expand the culture of liberty. And the best way to do that is to affect people and how they think about things. And, uh, and so that's the story we're telling. I do not want to be one of these nonprofits that says, thanks to your help, we've spent X number of money on this. Right. I mean, that is somewhat of a useful metric but in and of itself it means absolutely nothing it's what the government does the we've government says x we've spent number is a good metric but we've spent x number i feel like is less you know like people more people buying into it and, and seeing that number go that up is a good is metric like a, too yes a really good yeah good way to like say we're we're growing and uh because like people vote with their dollars whether they can they think about it like that or not and like you know it is the more it is legitimate of an organization you are the more funding you're going to get uh, of course now it 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 is a useful metric mm -hmm. in and of itself if you literally can just show we raised x amount of money but there's nothing else you could show for it then you've basically said we i'm really good at sales lied yeah not <laughs> even we lied we we thought this would go better than it did and so did a bunch of other people <laughs> Yay! Like, you know, that's, but that long term, we have to have those other metrics. But you're right. I mean, mm -hmm. number of donors, amount of donations that have been raised, all of those have been expanding for us. And they, and they do tell part of the story. But we want to make sure people understand, we're not just raising money and spending money. Yeah. We are helping people. We are bringing people into the movement. We are demonstrating to them the underlying uh, uh, statement or, or principle behind why we're libertarians. Yeah. And we're getting them to to not just join us in thought, but in practice as well. Yeah, I loved what you were talking about with, kind of, with like the culture of liberty. Uh, I didn't have a question about this, but this was another like big part of the the pre talked about uh, like five hour phone argument uh, is is I was saying that uh, the more like forget the phyllis or the uh like political platform planks or or anything like that about libertarianism right right like the core philosophy of of actually believing to your core of do no harm and you know if your friend asks for help you help them and like you know just these these core principles of anarchism and libertarianism i i was i posited the the opinion that um the more people that think that way the less people die when society collapses. <laughs> That's a cheery way to put it. But yeah, no, here's, I'm going to put it in a way that doesn't say society's going to collapse, <laughs> but, but similar, but, but in a similar way, the more people think like us, the better things are. Mm -hmm. Now I want to get very, very basic with this. Um, I'm about to go to LibertyCon uh, on Thursday up in D.C. And if you want to join me, go to LibertyCon.com. It's a great event with Liberty thinkers from around the world. Uh, some of the, the greatest thinkers. 
use it's use in the code dis- FSM when you use when code FSM <laughs> when you sign up libertycon.com uh but when i go there because i'm going to be flying there and and getting there it's in dc mm-hmm. i will be interacting with or being in close proximity to tens of thousands maybe even hundreds of thousands of people you know going to the airport you know being at this big hotel that it's at you know meeting all these people that are at the event and other people at the hotel if we go anywhere we're going to be out in the city you know all of this and and get, doing the same thing to come back home maybe even 100,000 people I came within a certain number of feet from. Almost all of them are strangers. They are people I don't know. I don't know what they're about or anything else. I have a general expectation that I will be able to not just be safe under those conditions, even though I don't know these people and know what what their motives are, what drives them or anything else, but that I can not only be safe, but I can thrive in those conditions because i have a reasonable general expectation that everyone i interact with for the most part is going to have a basic level of respect for the fact that i and everyone else there around are individual human beings and i don't mean respect like you know they like me or like what i think or even know me or know what i think or any of that or even really care about me but they right. respect that i'm an individual person and so they're not going to try to trample me the same way they might step on a roach or, a, or an insect or or you know an ant or something like that because they don't have that level of respect for that individual roach or you know that individual you know ant or whatever else but a human being they do mm-hmm. and it is that level of respect and expectation that we have that allows us to thrive it allows us to be prosperous and harmonious and happy and in contrast, the less of that expectation we have, the more we expect that the people around us are not going to respect us, the worse things are. If you look at the places that have the most violent crime, they have the most poverty, they have the most, you know, uh, just lack of, uh, of, of happiness or, or harmony or prosperity. Uh, we call them, you know, low trust societies versus the high trust societies we want. Well, trust in what? Trust that people are going to respect one another mm-hmm. as individual human beings and act accordingly. This is something that, like, if you said to a six-year-old, hey, I think if we respect each other as people, then we'll get along better and we won't hurt each other. And just about every six-year-old would be like, yeah. Like, that makes everyone sense. would, yeah, everyone, this makes intuitive sense. Everyone, we don't even really have to say this because it's just kind of intuitively true. People, like, just understand it intrinsically. And yet we don't expect that of public officials. We don't expect that very often. We don't expect that of government officials. We don't expect that of enforcers. We don't expect that of bureaucrats. We go, well, they're doing their job and, you know, we don't have a civil society without it. And what about the roads? And, you know, they're just doing their jobs and all this stuff. We, we say all these different things. But really what we're saying is this person who, if they weren't wearing their suit and sitting at the dais and calling themselves the mayor, this exact person who we would expect if I was walking down the street next to him, I would expect him to respect me as an individual human being. I'm going to put that aside for his capacity as governor or, yeah. or mayor or, or whatever, or police officer or sheriff or CPS worker or whatever else. That's the problem. They wouldn't be able to do the things that they do on a regular basis if they didn't have a public that, generally speaking, put aside their expectation or at least modified their expectation of being respected as an individual human being. And as a direct result of that, we are less harmonious, we are less prosperous, we are less safe, and we are less happy. That's 
what the core of government malfeasance looks like. And you mentioned it before. These people often see themselves as good actors. Yeah, yeah. we find corrupt scumbags, but we also find people that are like, well, the file was in my on my desk and you know, I thought, well, it could be abuse or it might not be abuse and I have so many other files I'm looking at and I don't know. I, I'll just assume it's abuse because if it wasn't abuse, that could fall on me. And if I do say it's abuse, I get some federal funding for my office. So yeah, I'll just say it's abuse and I'll pass it on to the next one. They didn't right. sit there and go, oh, I'm going to destroy this family. They're like, hey, you know what, eh, whatever. And they, they're probably yawning while they're making the choice and drinking coffee to stay awake and, you know, thinking about what they're going to have for lunch, the banality of evil. But all of that cannot happen if that worker or that politician or that enforcer is expected to treat the people in that file the same way they would treat their sister or cousin or uncle or loved one. Right. Fuck yeah, yeah. I I I don't I don't mean to be a downer when I say uh, what I said, but I mean I do think I do think that the collapse of the U.S. empire is imminent. Uh, whether whether or not it's oh the like, empire, yeah, no, that's happening soon. Or we've got fifty, sixty years. I think there's a possibility for us to do like a like an Egypt and never actually collapse and just kind of like well we fucked up. We're just gonna kind of fall back into our own right and, and right. be cool. Um, I think that's possible, but I, 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 unlikely, uh, <laughs> and that something else is going to make shit hit the fan. But what I love about b basically how I make decisions in life now are, is it going to help people in the short term, like tomorrow? And is it going to help people if society collapses? And like, if I can check both of those boxes at the same time, that's what I'll do. And so, like, fighting for small businesses and helping people, like, uh, shop local and be more of a community in that way is is a two-pronged approach, right? Like, that's something that helps today and makes it better if society collapses. Stuff like you are the power. Like, these kinds of things, it's doing both. And that's what I, what I like, strive for is, like, I don't want to be blackpilled, but I also can't really put my heart and soul into something that becomes completely useless the second society starts to crumble even a little bit like a political party. Like I just, I just can't get into it with like, Oh, maybe if we have seven congressmen, like I still kind of believe that that's a good thing. <laughs> I love the LP and I hope that they're successful, but I just couldn't put a hundred percent behind something that could just be rendered completely meaningless in two years. You know, well also as Susie's father learned, never put all your eggs in one basket. So there <laughs> is that too. Right. But I'll tell you, man, like, Whatever the future holds, the more people think like us, the more people that are out there that think like us, and the more people in general think similar to us, like the more people tend to think in terms of individual rights, individual responsibilities, non-aggression, individual human respect, decentralization of power, and you know, our non-aggression, our ideas, the more people think that way, the better off we're going to be no matter what happens. If we just stay in this status quo forever, we'll be better off that way. Uh, and frankly, we couldn't stay in the status quo forever if more people think that way. We'll be, in a, we'll, we'll be a better future because that's the other part of this. Not only will we be better off no matter what happens, but if we're successful enough, we can actually modify and chart what we do end up looking like. If yeah. enough of us say, yeah, I want, to, I want to be respected the same as everyone else is. And I want to have that, I want to respect people the same as they're respecting me. And I don't think anyone should be exempt from that. You know, that if enough people believe that and act upon it, 
and are excited to act upon it and get energy from acting upon it and seeing the benefit that's caused by it. I mean, the world's going to look a lot better, man. Like to whatever degree we can affect that change, it's going to look better. And it's going to be a lot harder for, you know, demagogue politicians, whether they're the status quo neocon type or, you know, fascists or communists or whatever else. If they start selling a bad bill of goods and the public goes, yeah, but that's not respecting me as an individual human being. That's aggressing against me. That's not respecting my individual rights. If that becomes the baseline of what people think, who cares what political party wins? Because they're going to have to, at some point, bend to the will of the people. I mean, there's only so much that government can enforce against you if the public isn't behind that. We saw that with the lockdowns. The lockdowns were a lot easier to enforce when the majority of people, even if they didn't like how it affected them, thought that they might be necessary temporarily. As soon as people realized it wasn't, that pretty much went away. Yeah, almost overnight. Almost overnight. As as soon as the left flipped to like, mm, it was like, as soon as the kidding. center flipped, just, as yeah, soon fair. as like yeah. your aunt flipped, like as soon as like your, your normie relatives and, and loved ones were like, I don't think this is very like why I I'm about to lose things because I can't work or, you know, yeah. why can we all go to Walmart, but not the tanning bed? Like what, what is what, why this makes no sense. As soon as that happened, it was like, Oh, okay, well, you know, we tried, we bent the curve. Good job, everyone. Like that, that happened because government power is illusory. There is no such thing. There are human beings who have to try to get enough of a consensus from other human beings and use a little bit of a stick approach to try to nudge them along. But the second that that much larger group of people, the people say no, if even a, a small fraction of them, you know, three, 5%, maybe even less say no, they can't make them. And so now they have one of two choices. Government can either try to shove it down their throats and lose and give away the game and show that they don't have any power at all. Or they can say, hey, great news, everyone. We agree with you and we're not doing this anymore. Yay, all of us. Because it's either that or admit that they don't really have that much power to begin with. Yeah. True that. Which is also why I call this You Are the Power. Yeah. You know, when Dan Smolt made the name You Are the Power, I remember the first time I saw You Are the Power. And it was in it was in one of the campaign ads during the 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 um the nomination contest in in I think actually late 2019 maybe it was 2020, and I just saw you are the power and no one even said it it just went across the the screen, and that meant so many different things to me all at once and I've been using it ever since and I've asked him like hey can I he's like yeah take it and run with it um it I love means that he also you know, still signs off every show with that. Yeah, well, it's his phrase, yeah. and it's kind of become our baby that we're, you know, that we're raising separately or whatever. But it's, you know, you are the power to me means a lot of things. It means you have way more uh, power than than you think that you have. We have the power working together to to fix things that we we didn't think we possibly could. But a big part of it is we talk a lot about the government having power. They don't. Mm -hmm. They can't actually do this if enough of us say, no, we don't want that. We want this instead. I mean, it's not five people can do it, but you'd be shocked at how small of a portion of the population saying, no, we're taking our power back. We don't want that. We want this instead. It changes everything. That doesn't mean that it changes overnight. It doesn't mean that the government won't fight back in, in vain and in their final death throes and and you know try to harm people that, that get in the way. They'll do all of those things. We know that. But that's the that's the part three of then they fight you. And then after that comes, then you win because you are the power. They can't do it without your implicit compliance. 
And so, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, if we can convince enough people that they are the power, tyranny ends, or at least, yeah. or at least the tyranny we have now ends. Yeah. Amen. To the, that's that's a good white pill. There we go. The power pill. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep using that. Power one. pill. I'm taking that. So you mentioned already. Uh, just under 36 hours, you're flying to DC for Liberty Con, and that is yep. just like one quick short stop on what has now been basically a four year tour around the country. <laughs> um, just went to Georgia last weekend. Like you're you're just constantly on the road going places. What has yeah. been, uh, or some of the your favorite places that you've gone, and uh, how how are people reacting to this message when you're going around talking about it? So I, it's interesting. I I'm gonna, in 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 a way that only a seasoned politician can. I'm gonna sidestep the tell me places you liked, which implies there were places <laughs> I didn't like, and of course there's oh no such thing. I like every place I've been to. I love it. I love every corner of this of this planet. David, love it. Uh, you know what? You know my favorite place is where you live, America. That's my favorite place. No, listen, I I I will tell you that was good. I've, that was damn yeah, good. <laughs> that's good. That's that is pure pander in there, folks. And it's tr but it's true. You know the thing is about about my pandering is that you know that it's true because I mean it. But only for you, only for you, just for you. God. Yep, you. Anyway, um, so. What I've seen is, I think that it's been kind of two things that have been happening. One is people that are getting more and more frustrated with, you know, what the path, what many of us thought the path would be for liberty, which is just the endless electoral politics. And I'm not again. I mean, listen, I, I'm not against electoral politics as one of the tools in our toolkit. I haven't ruled out running in in, in the future, maybe even the very near future. But, but. That's got to be a tool. Just <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but that has to be a tool. And it's not even, it's not only not the only tool. It shouldn't even be the main tool. We need to be getting people to think liberty. Like mm -hmm. we need to get people to think about the fact that there's way too much power centralized and that that's that's what the problem is. You have central central planning is not fixing this. And you know, you can do that through electoral politics, but the problem is you're then asking them to vote for a party that more often than not has very little chance of winning. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to build momentum around that because people are like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, but if I don't vote for this party, then this party's going to win and and it it almost kind of demoralizes everyone in that equation it demoralizes the candidate the the activists and that the you know campaign workers the people in that party and it demoralizes the voter they're like okay well if all i can do is vote libertarian and they're probably not going to win all right well we're screwed then like that's it yeah. so what i've seen is this kind of you know people are kind of resigned that okay that that has a place but maybe not the place i thought it did but that's being replaced with a hope that oh wow what you're doing with you are the power. And like you said, what many other organizations are doing now is actually bearing fruit and, and getting results. And wow, I don't have to run for mayor or state senator. I can, but I don't have to do that to yeah. demonstrate that I care about my community. I can actually, before I ever have to convince them to vote for me, which means inherently telling them not to vote for someone else, instead, I can just tell them about what I'm doing to help in their community. And yep. you were the power is a is an incredible conduit for them to do that. 
Um, so I, I, I've been very happy to see it. You know, more and more when I'm going to these Libertarian Party conventions, I'm sidestepping all the drama. I, I'm told that there was drama at the Georgia convention. I didn't witness it I because I literally went. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. That's probably a shock. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've heard things, but I literally didn't witness any of it because I went in. I gave my spiel. We did two different. I did a speech, and my my. I heard um, some of the drama was directly about you getting like less speaking time than you were supposed to. Oh, that, but no, because that's a that is what happens at conventions. Like that, you know, there Fair there's enough. these it's very only, fluid it's schedules in this. If you are upset about it, which yeah yeah yeah, you're I, not the type. I, yeah, if, if if there's any drama about that, let me let me let me go ahead and kill that because. Uh, conventions are planned entirely by volunteers. There's a tremendous number of moving parts. Once it starts, it's moving. Like you can't, you can't stop the the uh, the the timepiece from the sand going through. Like it's just happening. Yeah. And uh, we actually got some additional time uh, to talk the first day uh, because of someone that wasn't able to speak. And then yeah, we weren't able to do the uh, the the workshop because of what the schedule ended up being with business. But the thing is, at that point, we'd pretty much made our point. Everyone there knew what we were doing, uh, and and we had a tremendous number of people who joined, who were helping with the Hernandez cause and and many other things. So certainly no drama there. But um, it, it was is. I mean, there conversation that I probably shouldn't have said. That was it wasn't like it, something I saw on Twitter or anything like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and the thing is, like these things happen. And so look, no, if anyone thought that there was any kind of whatever there, no, that's that's just that that is the name of live events that are being planned entirely by organizers from across the state. It's just what happens. They did a great job in Georgia, but um, at least as it relates to me, I, but the, the point of that is I increasingly am able to avoid any actual drama that's happening that has nothing to do with you or the power because I'm not there to deal with that. I'm there to talk about what we're doing at you or the power and invite everyone there to join us on this cause that we're working on and on the, you know, the greater movement with you or the power to help us with all the other causes we're working on. And that has been not only incredibly helpful for me to not have to constantly deal with LP drama, which uh, contrary to popular belief, I don't like um, the uh, um, but it also allows other people who, you know, want to be involved in the party, but don't want to deal with the drama to be able to focus their efforts on something that truly is you know, I don't want to say we're drama free in terms of our drama is the causes we're working on. Right. We don't have internal fights. We're not having any elections. So there's nothing to fight over or bicker over. If two, what's that? It is. It's literally, <laughs> it's, it's all the happiness that comes with the dictatorship. No, it's a, it's a voluntary organization where we, we at the top pick the organizers based on merit. And then from there, people can do however they want to do it. People can work on causes as part of you or the power. And if there's this group in this area and this group in this area and they don't get along or don't like how they're doing things, they go do and do things separately. No one has to win and no one has to lose. You can literally both win by doing your own things. And so it eliminates the necessary drama uh, within in any kind of political party that comes with the democratic way of electing the people that are in the in 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 those positions of authority. We don't do any of that. You know, we have a, a handful of of a appointed people who then let you do whatever the hell you want as long as you're comporting with our values and our goals that's yeah. it it's the it's anarcho monarchy just like lived out perfectly yes a million lichtensteins <laughs> a million i love it <laughs> um 
So, uh, fuck, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, oh, and here, here's where, because well, people will, will literally take that literally and be like, it's like calling the Dorothy dictatorship. <laughs> Another big difference is you can literally just copy paste what we're doing and do it yourself. Yeah. Like, we are not forcing anyone to be a part of this. We've yeah. created a structure, and if you want to be a part of it, you can, or you can just do your own thing, yeah, it's like, and you it's can modify as you wish. Monarchy. It's, it's like a great, uh, yeah, it's, it's anarchy. You are I'm, really, I'm, really I'm determined to one. say monarchy. Yeah, it's fun. It's really just picking on Pete Quinones, uh in a very like subtle way because like an actual, is it subtle though? I actual anarcho-monarchists so. are dumb. Um, but so speaking of people that don't quite understand libertarianism, uh, we were joking uh, a few minutes back about a possible presidential run. I'm obviously not going to ask you about that. Um, but you did get kind, <laughs> of, kind of some backlash uh, for speaking up about the RFK thing. Uh, and I saw like a oh, big gosh. chunk of those comments were, well, why don't you run? Uh, but I, I'm just, I'm curious. Uh, I'm not going to ask like the super obvious questions here, but like, I'm curious just from your perspective, especially as someone who has run that national campaign, mm-hmm. what do you think of what you've seen out of RFK and Vivek specifically as the people who've kind of courted us the most? Um, yeah. And do you think that there might be a future for either of them in the movement, at least, even if they don't go big L uh, to kind of like move closer to us? Or do you think they're kind of stuck where they are? Well, I mean, it it all remains to be seen. Is there a possibility? Absolutely. It is also, I guess, equal possibility that they are like many others who came before them and courted us for our vote. And then if and when they didn't need that anymore, they Wayne Allen rooted their way back Mm. into authoritarianism. You're like, you know, or Bill Welded, if you will, whatever. Yeah. Um, or Bob Bard, or you know, I mean, take your pick. Um, so it could be that. Um, I'll talk about Vivek first. He was a, a oddly pleasant surprise. I, I I wasn't sure what to think of him at first, and and stuff he was saying kept nailing and landing. And you know, when when he, I, I will say, I don't agree with every single thing he said. That his yeah. proposal for Mexico was would have been an absolute disaster. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's start a land war with the. Mexico, like anyway, whatever. Um, but that that, you know, with with a handful of exceptions, I, I largely liked what his platform was. Um, and the thing is, like, of course he was going to endorse Trump. Like yep. he's tr- he wants a future in the Republican Party, and the only way you can do that is by endorsing Trump. Like it is what it is. Like that's that's really where that party is right now. So of course he was going to do that. Uh, it sounds like he's possibly made some you know, uh, changes, uh, got, got Trump to come out strongly against, uh, uh, CBDCs and things like that. So that's good. I mean, those are all good things. Uh, it remains to be seen. And, and I, I certainly am interested to see where, where he goes moving forward for the, for the movement and just for even just trying to make the Republican party more Liberty friendly. We shall see. Um, RFK has kind of gone how I, I largely expected RFK to go. Um, he has had, for many years, an opposition to um, corporatism, to the 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 kind of uh, finagling of uh, or the working together, the, the the too strong relationship between big government and big business, mm-hmm. especially big pharma and big energy, um, and and I guess big I guess big everything, but especially big pharma and big energy. And so, yeah, of course, he was going to be against the uh, you know the vaccine mandates and everything. Um, he called gun rights groups a terrorist organization, and, and more recently, when he talked about guns, he was took great pains to be kind of noncommittal and say things like, "Well, we're not looking at taking guns right now." 
okay well right, right now. now is a hell of a qualifier um he uh he you know when he was talking about the lockdowns i'm glad that he appears to be opposed to the lockdowns now but i remember when i was out like making anti-lockdown content and everyone was telling me i was killing their grandmother back in like april and and you know march april in May, he was saying that the lockdowns needed to be extended indefinitely until we could figure out how to reopen in a way that would be good for the environment. Like, yeah. I mean, that he said these things. Yep. Um, and he endorsed. He still hasn't things. taken that tweet um, down. He has like one. No, like, it's literally tweet. still there. I, I quote tweet it often. It's literally still there, which means, I mean, honestly, I, I'm kind of, you know, hey, you said it, then you, you leave it up, but maybe follow up and go, I don't believe this anymore, and here's why. Like, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, he, he wanted uh, uh, people to suffer uh, civil and criminal offenses for saying that uh, climate change wasn't caused by people. Like, whatever you think about that, that shouldn't be an offense. That should just be your opinion, whether someone agrees with it or not. And uh, there were just a few things like that. I think his take on Ukraine was good, but I also knew he was a Kennedy Democrat, which means that if Israel came up, he was going to be a Kennedy Democrat. And, yeah. You know, the number of people that are surprised by that don't know what it means to be a Kennedy Democrat. They've always been, you know, staunchly, staunchly, staunchly and unquestioningly pro-Israel. Yeah. And and, you know, he very quickly did the old school Kennedy Democrat thing of equating criticism of Israel with anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. um, he, you know, uh, really downplayed the suffering of Palestinian people um, and, uh, and and tried to you know pretend it wasn't real. Like these are all. um these are all things that one can expect if they've actually looked at the breadth of his his activism over the years. Um, you know, a lot of stuff got caught in the in the in the um, in the shuffle. You know, his his mortgage plan where he was going to help with the home price crisis by giving three percent loans, which means what five or six percent subsidized government loans to first time home buyers, which would of course massively increase the cost of housing. By giving first-time home buyer, buyers below prime rates for mortgages, yeah, and of course, first-time home buyers are the group of people most likely to foreclose, which means you're increasing, you're, you're artificially increasing the price of housing at the cost of the taxpayer, and giving Blackwater and Vanguard more foreclosed homes to buy in the process. Like it was just, you know, absolute nightmare stuff. Like economically illiterate, and, and again. Kennedy Democrat. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's most funny. libertarians now understand, like, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna, it's funny because uh, Tulsi Gabbard also, I mean, I know I feel like her shirt's the thing that's hanging behind me, but like she called herself a Kennedy Democrat the whole campaign. And then everybody got shocked when she took almost all of these exact same stances. And I was like, she said it like, like we they didn't we say they were. I would this. rather have a Kennedy Democrat than almost anything else that's been in power so and she was better than he is in my opinion um like she's she's she had a healthy distrust of government it wasn't full and complete but it was at least there he seems to still just think that government is an inherently benevolent good thing that's been corrupted yeah and that yes it's that's been corrupted it needs the right people in charge and then it'll mm -hmm. it will work right and we can expand from there and right. that's just that is Crazy. standard issue liberal progressive Kennedy Democrat stuff like it is what it is like this was, you know, uh, JFK gave the speeches about how we were going to dream big as a government and do mm -hmm. big things as a government. And that's, you know, it is what it is. And it's, you know, whatever you think of that or or, or whatever, he's he's not 
pretended to be anything else. He's he's given some lip service to the free market, and I think he it would consider himself a capitalist and not a socialist. But the reality is, like, he's pushing for a bigger government than the one that we have now that is more involved in our lives than it is now and will cost us more than it does now and will run up more debt than it does now and will create more money out of thin air than it does now and will therefore create more inflation and more you know surreptitious theft and malinvestment and you know economic problems for the future than it does now and uh and and you know if the right foreign government is the one engaging in war he'll give it blank check support for its needs neocon foreign policy and it's just it, it's it's not good so you know when i came out and said listen rfk i he's been a welcome voice on many issues he's also been worse than biden on some issues um and uh and you know if he if he uh, i forget exactly how i worded it but if he seeks our nomination I'll, I'll see to it that he doesn't get it i'll make sure people know who he is and and, and you know yeah. what he's about and that's literally what i was saying and people took it that i was saying i would try to stop him from running or that i would you know uh, try to play games behind the scenes. No, I will literally just let libertarians know what he's about on every single issue. And do say, people understand that? Is it's, this who you want? That a podcaster who doesn't even have his own podcast, his only podcast is the one where he's on a show with a bunch of other actual podcasters, sat on a presidential debate stage with his shoes off this weekend, and like. He's running for like it's not like RFK couldn't have thrown his hat in the ring for the LP nomination at any point in time. Oh, and, he absolutely can. He absolutely can, off. and he can be in the debates and everything else. Exactly. Yeah, but no, he everyone, absolutely can. The thing that pissed me off the most, I want to go back to Vivek also, and like just to, uh, but like the the thing that pissed me off the most on the RFK thing was uh, Brett Weinstein chiming in and being all douchebaggy about it. I don't know if you saw any of his comments. Um, I I, but... I got a paraphrasing of it. Brett Weinstein noted Libertarian Party stalwart. <laughs> right. Like, where is Brett Weinstein except to say what we should do? Is he going to vote for us? Is no. he going to join the party, or Never. only if we, only if we pick a a. a someone who is not an actual libertarian. Like mm -hmm. I, I am all for finding a candidate who can speak to the masses and bring people in. It's not too much to ask that they actually reflect what we want and what we believe. Because if we, if we don't do that, not only are we not helping the party, but we're not helping anyone. We're yeah. just trying to be another Republican or Democrat party where we put someone in that we think can win mm -hmm. or get more votes. And it doesn't matter what we pretend to think. And that means we're lying. It means that we're either lying about supporting him or we're lying about what our platform says and what our ideology and our philosophy and beliefs say. We're yeah. lying to someone about something or we're lying in both cases, but it certainly doesn't help the electorate. It doesn't help the public. It doesn't help the country. And it sure as hell long term doesn't help the party. Yeah, I have I have a, a number of mutual friends with Brett. And so I've always tried to keep that that like I'm, obviously we, he doesn't know who I am, uh, but like I've never really attacked him online until until this week because I was just like, bro, you tried to you, you told us we should stop our primary to put Dan Crenshaw on our ballot. So you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> Like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Yes. Fucking election cycle in a row that he's been. Y'all should just not and just put some other rando on your. Like, who is not like who doesn't believe what we do. Mm -hmm. Let's put Trump on there then. Yeah. He's well. more likely to win than any of these people. Yeah. So if it, if it really is about let's just win an election, <laughs> let's nominate Donald Trump. 
like if if that's where we're going, the person who right now, if if betting odds uh, is the most so likely to become clipped. president, Jesus is Christ. Donald Trump. So let's pick him. Let's pick him, and then that way we'll win. Yeah, we'll win. Well, if nothing libertarian happens. The party becomes a joke as a result. We spend the next however many years, every time we try to talk about ourselves, people go, oh, oh you mean Trump? But who cares? We won. We won an election. Like, it, it, I, I am happy. I am grateful that Brett Weinstein uh, or Weinstein or whatever it is spends the time that he does and, and the work that he does to try to get people to think outside of the two-party box. I think that is fantastic. And if he's not libertarian, that's fine. We need voices from across the political spectrum saying no matter who you are, stop voting for the Uniparty. I am glad that he's doing that. I think yeah. he's dead wrong on this. Yeah. The whole point of stopping the Uniparty is voting on principle. Not on elect, not on perceived electability, but on actual principle. Yeah, a hundred percent. Which I think there, it's interesting that RFK and Vivek, Vivek. I, I've, I've learned recently that I've yeah, been Vivek, saying it wrong yes, the yes. whole time, and I the feel like time. an asshole because it's something that I, I was really try Vivek, to so do. Um, it's like actually pronounce people's names correctly. Um, yes, but like, uh, I don't know if he's if he's done a lot of interviews since he's uh, stopped his campaign, but I watched one that he did this past week, which was on Andrew Schultz's podcast flagrant, which was a really good episode. And I think that having the kind the, the weight of the actual campaign off of his shoulders, uh, he's, he's a little bit more willing to kind of, actually go deeper on some topics and and talk a of little course. bit more it's yeah. it's not just talking points and and platforms it, it's actually what do you believe this yep. like yep. and um i actually made a tiktok about this today that i think it's 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 really fun to watch this process during the like january through march of every four years as each candidate drops <laughs> out you kind of see the mask off moments in their first couple yeah, of yeah, appearances yeah. and then they start yeah pandering for next year and whichever you know they reposition they start repositioning for the future yeah of just actually them as people for a second and it was a great fucking interview um and i think the really uh the really interesting part is he straight up said that if he got offered the vp nomination he would have to have a real conversation uh, with donald trump about his goals and what he wanted to do with his administration and if they did not match mm. up he would not take it Oh, there you go. And I'm like, I don't know if I believe you, but <laughs> even if I don't, that's still a ballsy thing to say on a podcast that gets millions of views. You know, like I would actually turn Donald Trump down if he wasn't serious if... about dismantling the the managerial class, as he likes to call it, that kind of middle yeah, bureaucracy yeah. of government. Um, and I don't know. I was expecting to see him. Because Schultz is like just dumb enough to where he got he he doesn't like he's not political, but he knows enough people who are. So it, it, he asked like very interesting like medium questions, uh, but but he would have let Vivek go down a bunch of like right wing stupid talking points about like how bad Mexico is or how that like any of those other right, things. Right. They talked a little bit about the border, but nothing that I actually disagree with at all. And he was just went hard on these like core libertarian principles instead. And I was like. Hmm. All right. I'll have I'm, to check it out. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to check it out. That's um, good. Yeah. And and again, like you said, there, you don't know how but... much of it is posturing or trying to get a vote or whatever, but it's mm -hmm. certainly interesting to see that that window into, you know, what his actual thought process might be. He voted libertarian in 04. 
or 08 or something like that. Who would that have been? I don't even know. If it was 04, it was Moreau. And if it was 08, it was, uh, it wouldn't have been 08. I think it was 04. I think he voted for, was that Moreau? Yeah, I think it was Moreau against, um, against Bush. Yeah. Nice. I, uh, I don't know anyone that voted LP that early on. Or I, I guess not in like my normie life or like my personal right, life. Right. Obviously, I know people I've met through the party, but everyone else it's been like since Johnson's first run at the very earliest. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So one more question: uh, You've recently expanded to a world tour. Um, how does it feel to be the standard bearer for American liberty in other countries? Uh, you know, I wouldn't have said that I was that. I would have said I was just an interesting American that was invited to some other countries to talk until they introduced me as the thing you just said. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. I, I, you know, I, I guess, you know, and maybe this is, you know, something that is necessary for me to to keep perspective on who I am or whatever. But like, I know I do a lot of good work and I know I do these things, but I don't see myself as what a lot of people often say about me and so it feels i mean it feels nice being called these things but it also feels weird i'm not sure it's full-on imposter syndrome but it's like you know i feel it are you sure you're not just saying that because i'm here like it's mm. just it, it's it's weird but it certainly i mean when i was in australia and i'm speaking at the parliament building two actual elected legislatures uh, legislators on like issues that they're facing voting for and how to message them. They weren't asking me how to vote, obviously, but like, you know, like, like how to message on these issues. I'm the meme guy. <laughs> I'm bazooka Jew. Like, you know, I, I, I'm, you know what I mean? Like uh, that, that I own, I'm bazooka Jew. I'm kill shot Cohen or whatever nonsense. Like I'm the, I'm the funny guy that makes good points and, you know, is trying to do some good work with his, with his group or whatever. Like having these like actual elected officials, like, so how would I talk about this to the Australian people? Well, just I, you know, and I, and I would, and I, just, just, yeah, just yeah. yeah. And when you say, and when you say no, say no. Like, don't just say no. No is like N-A-O-U-H-W-R. You know, don't say, say it like that. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know. Don't know what to tell you. But like, that's the thing. Like, I mean, my first instinct is to is to say something goofy. But like, being there and and you know, giving these speeches in front of all these like leaders in Australia and you know the leaders of the liberty movement there and stuff. It was just it was incredibly you know, in a way humbling because the whole time I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I'm everything they're saying I am, but I'm happy to help them in any way I can. And so I, I left there just thinking like, holy crap, has this turned into a whole new thing. Mm. And, you know, having, so just, how do I say this? I have a lot of people, many of whom I don't know, ask me to run for president. That's, I'm still wrapping my head around that. And, and whatever choice I make, I'm not sure I'll ever stop wrapping my head around that. Like, I don't see myself as, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it is a very interesting, um, 
a you very interesting thing to have. I, th I know. <laughs> I, I thank you. But but like, but I know you. I will have yeah. people I don't even really know, and they're like, "Please, you're you're our, like." People Help make these memes. You're yeah, hope. you're our only hope, and they'll make that meme. But like, my face is on uh, on the Skywalker or whatever, and and what like it, it's 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 just it's it's kind of crazy. And so like any of these things, you know, in my mind, I'm like the guy that had the podcast that was kind of funny, and I make memes mm -hmm. that are that are funny, and you know, I like I I I make some good points, and I try to do good. It, it's just very interesting. I I'm I'm. I'm still wrapping my head around that and I'm not sure I'll ever stop. And I, I'm not sure I want to stop because I think if I get too used to it, then I become someone I don't want to be who like, you know, I, everyone, you know, everyone wants me to run for president. You know, I, I don't want to be that guy. I, I never yeah. want to be that guy. That's fair. That's, that's noble. I don't know. That sounds kind of fun. Maybe. I don't know if I'm as pure of heart as you are. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I, you so know what I'd like to be a prick. I'd like to be a prick to people. I don't know. Sounds sounds great. Uh, <laughs> before I let you go, tell people how to find you, find you or the power, become a member, become an active member, mm -hmm. all the things. Absolutely. Well, it's all here, folks. Uh, if you go to youwerthepower.net, you can uh, find out more about what we do and you can sign up today to become a member. Uh, you can follow us on uh, on everything, actually. You can follow us on uh, on TikTok now, on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, and on uh, Twitter, X, whatever it's called now, and soon on YouTube, uh, all of them at uh, YATP official. That's You Are The Power official. If you ever get lost, you can just go back to youarethepower.net. We got all of our social buttons there. Uh, and uh, I'm at Real Spike Cohen on Twitter. But uh, I'm all over the internet. If you look hard enough, you'll find me. I'm pretty loud, so you can find me just about everywhere. I used to actually have like the the Twitter logo there because I I just always do like the Twitter at even if it's not something that you use ever. It's just like my go to. Um, yeah. I, I need to get an X logo. An X. You can just put an X there. Just just oh, an X. That also works. Um, I have the Twitter logo on mine though. But you heard him, guys. Oh, you still got the old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, go follow Spike. You are the power. Click the link in the description. Uh, go become a member of the coolest activist organization in the country. Um, and if you still haven't gotten your tickets for Liberty Con yet, uh, that link is also down there. Uh, use code yep. FSM at checkout. Save a bunch. I think it's 20, 20%, 25%. I don't know. It's, a, it's like a bigger, it's like a big discount. Um, I don't remember exactly what the number is. Um, it's a big discount. It's a, yeah, it's a good one. But it's coming up this weekend. So buy it today and, and get and, a plane and ticket I quickly. I have to say one thing about LibertyCon. So there are going to be student activists from all over the world there. There are going, you know, we, we talk a lot about like, oh, join Justin Amash and John Mackey and Spike Cohen and all the other bigger names. And that's great that 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 we're there as well. But the thing that gets me the the most happy about what's going to happen there is they have the young leaders of the liberty movement, uh, some of whom are, you know, in their in their, you know, early 20s or late teens from every continent except for Antarctica. And and you know, we might who knows, we might get an Antarctican there. I'm getting an edgy libertarian penguin there or something like that. But like literally from all over the world. And it's easy throwaway stuff for me to go. These are the future leaders of liberty. Let me give you an example of that. Javier Millet. He is a Students for Liberty al alumni. That's 
These are the young Javier Malays from all over the world that you're going to get a chance to uh, interact with and uh, hear what they're working on in their countries. And yes, you'll get to hear from the Justin Amashes and the Spike Cohens and the John Mackeys and all of that as well. And that's all fantastic. But it, I, I'd say even more importantly to me, you will get a chance to meet some of the people who will end up being the leaders of their country, as in like the potential heads of state of their country. Mm -hmm. uh, just an incredible opportunity to meet some amazing people from literally all over the world. Go to libertycom.com, libertycon.com, uh, and uh, use SF FSM to get just such a big discount. We don't even remember how big it is. Hell yeah, definitely, guys. Uh, go to that. It's it's going to be a good time. I'm unfortunately not going to be there, but almost everybody I know and love will be. So everyone so, but David will everyone be everyone yes. but me. So you don't even have to put up with me. <laughs> and just be Spike and and uh, all the other names he just said. And and my best friend will be there. All of my all of my friends will be there. It's actually gonna, all of your best. All friends of my be best there. friends will be there. Um, go hang out with Ben Heckman. Uh, Brianna Coyle is going to be there. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Don't go go start fights with people that you uh, don't like from Twitter. Just kidding. Don't do that. Um, and then once you learn, once you become a leader in liberty and you say, you know what? I'm a leader in liberty now, but that's not enough. I want to be a leader in business too. Well, friends, I'll tell you what. If you go on over to Crafton, they have a business inside of a box. A box, you say? Yes. You say, I always wanted to have a business, but I didn't know where I would start. I'd look to, and I'd look fro, and I'd say, where is my business? And I, that, what you didn't know is that Crafton has your business in a box. Now, what does that mean? Go to Crafton.us US to find out today. True that. And that actually means it means you get your filing services, your logo, your um, uh, an accounting uh, like kind of setup, uh, a marketing plan, and uh, a couple of other things, uh, business cards, uh, all for nine ninety nine plus state theft. Um, or you can get uh, an advanced package that includes like a website and a bunch of more stuff for twenty four ninety nine again plus state theft. Uh, so. Definitely Crafton.us. Go check that out. Um, and then Crafton will put your business inside of the box so you can think outside of the box. With Crafton, you've got both sides of the box respectively covered. Crafton.us, only $9.99 up to $24.99 plus tax. And you can find them at CraftonUS on every major business-oriented social media platform. Bat Crafting business and financial services. You couldn't go. You couldn't do better than to go to Crafton. Fun, US. Fun fact: Crafton, translated to English, is the power. Wonder where we came up with that name. Uh, you are the Crafton. You are the Crafton. Uh, and then, guys, after you go there, go click all of the links, uh, the other links that we haven't talked about in the description. Um, like this video subscribe to the channel share it with all your friends and family so that they can find out that they are also the power and then come on back here next week for another brand new show we've got a whole bunch of great guests coming up this year we've got eric brakey heidi briones station uh, uh wilson a uh, couple of other people are already on the books i can't think of at the moment but it's going to be a good year 
Spike, thank you so much for coming on. This is a blast. Always a good time. Absolutely. Guys, thanks Absolutely. so much for Absolutely. Always, always happy to be on. Uh, I love you, Dad. You're the best. Guys, thanks for watching. Come on back next time. Until then, keep up the fight.